Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You don't always get to choose in this life. Win and lose in this life. But I'm approved in this life. We can move in this life. Can't change up. My team too real, so we stay young. Yeah, this is our year. Can't change up. My team too real, so we stay young. Yeah, this is our year. Can't change up. My team too real, so we stay young. Yeah, this is our year. Can't change up. My team too real, so we stay young. Yeah, this is our year. Welcome to Diamond State Scouting. I am Josh Wingate, and we are a part of the Say It Again Network. Um, you can follow me on at Josh Wingate three hundred two. Uh, follow Diamond State Scouting at DSS Scouting, and I have a very special guest from the network, uh, Jordan Katz. You can follow him, Jordan Katz eleven. How you doing, Jordan? What's going on, man? Happy to be here. Uh, apologize for the glare. Tried to figure it out for twenty oh, minutes. Couldn't figure it out. <laughs> playing through a little bit of a little bit of a cold so we got a little bit of a cold game going on here but we're no, gonna make it work go. it's not the flu game so, so you're it's good it's not the that. flu game no it's not the <laughs> flu game so um so yeah you just released i think this week a mock draft and everyone loves a mock draft this time of the year um walk me through your process of of actually coming up with a mock draft because i know everyone's different and it's it can be a stressful thing Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is understanding whether you're going for a mock draft of what you would do if you controlled all 32 teams or whether you're going for for it from a prediction standpoint. I find that the people at the top, the top tier experts, don't always do a good job of communicating whether this is based on their big board and their idea of team needs and their opinions of what teams should do or whether it's based on what they hear around the league. Uh, For me personally, I strictly went at this trying to get every single pick right. Only did two rounds this time, uh, but I went at it trying to get every single pick right. So there's no personal influence from me in terms of my evaluations. Uh, You know, we'll get into those during the show and we'll get into where I might disagree with somebody that I have rated highly or likewise somebody I might have rated lowly. All right. So this is just strictly trying to make be as accurate as I can be based off of what I've heard, based off of what I've seen from the experts and kind of the buzzwords that people are using around certain prospects. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, we'll get right into it. With your first overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have Iki Aquanu, uh, offensive tackle from NC State. Walk me through that pick and 
Sure. Um, <laughs> so for starters, I think the Jaguars are really in an in, in interesting position here. Not only does this draft not have a top five, a true top five guy, a true elite talent, but the Jaguars are also so desperate for offensive line, right, Josh? Like yeah. they need to build around Trevor Lawrence here. And even though Aiden Hutchinson's the top guy, you're sitting there with Josh Allen and Kelavon Chason, who they plan on apparently using a little more of. I don't know if Edge is the move for them. What's interesting about this pick is Jacksonville can go a number of different ways. Could they just pick Aiden Hutchinson and say, figure it out? Absolutely. Could they take Ike Aquanu or Evan Neal? Absolutely. Could they trade, depending on if a quarterback emerges or a team is interested? Absolutely. If I were in Jacksonville shoes, I would be teasing a trade right now. I would I say I want I no part of this something. pick. Go ahead. I think I saw that they said they're willing to trade out. That's what I would do right now yeah. is I would tease a trade today for the next month, and I would see if anybody could bite and give me a chance at depth. Jacksonville has to come away with offensive line, right? Yeah. But you can do that in this draft later on down the board. Let's say Philadelphia sitting there. Philadelphia has three first-round picks, but not as many needs as people think, especially if they go make a play at Calvin Ridley. If they go make a play to solve their receiver need, they don't have as many needs as people think. What if Philadelphia wants to sit there and say, hey, we're going to give you two first-round picks so we can come up and take Aiden Hutchinson? That's implied. Yeah. And if you're Jacksonville, now you slide down to 15, 16, right? All of a sudden, now you get Charlie Cross. Now you get Tyler Linderbaum, right? Now you can get Kenyon Green. You can get offensive. You can get two offensive ones for the price of one. You could sit there at 33 and get Trevor Lawrence a weapon. Now, all of a sudden, you've built an offense, right? Yeah. So that, that, to me, is the move. If they stayed there, I think Equanu makes more sense at this moment in time than Evan Neal, just because I think Icky checks – Every single box, that's the first time we've used that bug words. We're going to use yeah. it a lot. For mock drafts, you use a lot. Yep. So just be prepared, people. Uh, every Icky checks that every single box, and he tested well. And I think we were talking before the show, Josh, and yeah. I know you agree with me. The fact that Evan Neal didn't test, you think, could hurt him as well in terms of being yeah. that top pick. Yeah, I, I'm still – so offensive line is one of my favorite positions to evaluate. And I'm completely different than what they have in the media and whatever you're hearing. I have Charles Cross as my top offensive lineman right now. Okay. Um, I think he is, if he was in last year's draft, he'd be just under Slater, in my opinion. Okay. I think he is that good. People are kind of down on him because he's not in as many run um, plays as you would a normal offense. But he's an elite pass protector, and there's no questions about that. Um, if I'm Jacksonville, personally, I would go Charlie Cross over Ike Aquanu and Evan Neal, and that's just my opinion. But I agree with you as far as I would trade back, try and acquire some picks. I hope Philadelphia doesn't try and trade up because I don't want them to get a top-tier talent as a Cowboys fan. But um, it'd be smart of them. But I think they need to go get a receiver, get some offensive mm -hmm. line talent, and build around Trevor Lawrence like you said. Absolutely, which makes this pick really interesting. Yeah. I think as far as Charlie Cross goes, the thing you like about him, right, you love his ability in the vertical set, right? His, his ability to kick yep. out and beat edges to, that, to, to the arc and the ability yep. to, to then control the point of attack from and there. And I question right? that on Ike Aquanu. I don't know if he can consistently get there. 
I think I'm on board with you, but I think what Eric Fisher showed you once upon a time yeah. is if you're in the right system, you can make up for certain deficiencies you have. Eric Fisher was in the wrong system as the first pick, went to the right system as in his second act in Kansas City, became yeah. a really quality offensive lineman, and then wound up going to Indianapolis, right? I think the system for Jacksonville last year with Urban made more sense for Charlie Cross. Yeah. This year with Doug Peterson, where we're going to try to be physical on the edge and we're going to try to run outside and use our tackles to be our bulls, that might make more sense for Aquanu and Evan Neal. I can see that, definitely. Um, as far as Evan Neal, I don't know if he's a left tackle. In my opinion, I think he might be a right tackle guard. I'm with him. Yep. So I think we don't have to touch on this too much because I, I know it's the world trying to make this happen. Your second pick is Detroit Lions, Aiden Hutchinson, edge uh, Michigan. I think everyone wants to see Aiden Hutchinson and Dan Campbell just paired together. Yeah, I think they do. I think on top of the fact that he's a Michigan guy, it makes sense. Yep. Listen, the interesting thing about Detroit is Detroit needs a quarterback. And we were talking before the show about how Malik Willis has kind of separated himself this yeah. weekend. Maybe Malik Willis starts to become in play at two for Detroit. I don't know that I would sleep on that. I think Malik Willis has established himself as the guy that is going to go the highest of the quarterbacks. And because of that, and because the class is not viewed as great, you could see that guy jump all the way to two. What people forget about Watson and Mahomes' class is that Mitch Trubisky was viewed as the cream of the crop of a not-so-great class. Yeah. There were questions about Watson. Obviously, Mahomes was the darling, but anybody who scouted that year knew the risk that went into Patrick Mahomes, and he wound up in a perfect system. People like to knock the Bears for that pick. I don't know that Deshaun Watson becomes Deshaun Watson if he goes to the Bears, and I certainly know that Patrick Mahomes does not become Patrick Mahomes if he goes to the Chicago Bears. System is so important for a quarterback's development, more so than any other position, right, Josh? So yeah. if you're looking at Malik Willis and why you would take him at two, it's because you get a free chance to sit up. Jared Goff can play the whole year. No questions asked. You can build out a roster and insert Willis last. That is a perfect scenario. So it's Hutchinson with an asterisk. Yes. And I think everyone, like I said, everyone wants to see that to happen. But I would love for Malik Willis to go somewhere where he can sit. I think he does need to sit and learn and develop as a player. He's not someone you can plug and play right away. And Agreed. I, I, I just want the best for Willis because on this show, we have a thing called Willis Watch. So every show we come up and we talk about what we know about Willis and what has happened weekly on Willis because he's our guy. He's our number one guy. Love it. And – I don't know. I I don't want to see him go to Detroit just for the fact it's Detroit. But you never know. And speaking of Willis, you actually have a trade-up for him. I do. Um, with the third overall pick, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, which has been widely talked about the Steelers moving up to go get Willis because they want a running quarterback. But they trade with the Houston Texans, and it looks like you have them trading 20, 52, 84, and they're 20, 23 first round pick along with their 2023 third round pick for that pick, which is 
great compensation. I love that because a lot of people don't like to do fair compensation. So Absolutely. I appreciate you on that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I tried, I, I tried to model that off of the golf trade um, just to try to predict again. Yes. You're right. Like people, for some reason, try to steer <laughs> clear of good compensation. I don't get it. If you're going for a prediction mock, yep. right? We're here to try to be right. You put the why work in low to do ball? it right. Why low ball, right? <laughs> you know? Oh, I, I agree. Um, so how do you feel? Because we talked about it's ideal to sit Willis. Do you think that would be an opportunity in Pittsburgh for him to sit there? Nope. Yep. <laughs> Which is why I don't love it. Which but uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead and then I'll I'll respond. The thing about Willis is Pittsburgh is a spot that makes sense. They're not hiding it. Washington's a spot that makes sense. They're not hiding it because you can walk in, make mistakes, and you've got a defense to make up for it, right? The interesting thing about that scenario is sometimes you wind up taking a guy's ceiling and doing this with it. And so that's the risk-reward if you go get your guy and you're going to sit there and let him make mistakes. I am a avid Jet fan. One might call it a diehard. Um, that was probably the issue with Mark Sanchez once upon a time. Okay, is yeah. the Jets walked in and with that defense, the Jets allowed Mark to make mistakes because they had a defense that didn't you know, really hurt him. And all of a sudden, that ceiling at the top five picks kind of went like this. And eventually, it all came to a head when Mark was asked to carry a roster. So in terms of Malik Willis, the reason I like the fit to Pittsburgh is because I don't think he'll ever be asked to carry a roster. In terms of would I rather him sit? Absolutely. So my hope and what I was going to say was if the Steelers do want to make this pick and they are all in on Malik Willis, I'd like to see them go into free agency, get maybe a Tyrod Taylor or even a Teddy Bridgewater, who I I find is – very intelligent quarterbacks and Mm -hmm. someone that they understand their role in the NFL as a fringe starting quarterback, possible backup quarterback. And they would be willing to help Malik Willis along in in the way of teaching him the game, but also not allow him to start because Tyrod and Bridgewater are capable enough to to play for a season. Um, That's my hope if the Steelers do go after him. I want to see them make a move in free agency because I don't think uh, Mason Rudolph is the answer for that. And I, he just comes across obviously as a as a prick, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, on top of the fact that Mason Rudolph, I don't think has the talent to be a starting quarterback yeah. in the National Football League, doesn't seem like he's a particularly wonderful teammate either. So I think that's yeah. a, a clean slate there. I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, if you're somebody who is of the mindset of none of these quarterbacks deserve to, to go in the first round, I actually don't disagree with you. But here's the thing. There will always be quarterbacks that go in the first round because there's going to be some kind of hype train that yeah. follows somebody. Positional in value. In this case, exactly, positional value. In this case, that's Malik Willis. So if you're trying to get a mock right, just put a quarterback into the top 10, pick one. You don't have to pick Willis. If you believe that Kenny Pickett, because Kenny Pickett's resume is the best, if you think he's going to be the guy, that's fine. But you better stick him in the top 10, if not the top five, because history showed you somebody's going there. For sure. And I think you got it right with the first quarterback off the board. But let's move on to your team, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 with Kayvon Thibodeau, Edge out of Oregon. 
I'm interested in what you think about him as a player as well. And I have to say this before you go. I love what the Jets are doing through the draft. Uh, last year, they drafted my one of my favorite offensive linemen in Elijah Vera Tucker yeah. and my favorite running back in Michael Carter. So I, I love what they're doing there. So I do too. I think they're building a really nice foundation there. And I, I, I trust in Joe Douglas and I trust in Robert Sala. The Jet entire draft depends on what they do in free agency. It's very hard to predict what the Jets are going to do before they go spend their money. And people think that the draw for the Jets in free agency is the New York market and Zach Wilson. If you listen to people around the league, the draw for the Jets in free agency is actually Robert Sala. People are so high on this guy. Everybody loves to play for him. Everybody thinks he's a true leader. I think he's the draw in free agency more so than a young rookie quarterback that is as talented as Wilson or the amount of picks that they had to fill out a roster. I think the draw is Robert Sala, and the goal is going to be for him to convince guys to come here. Now, if the Jets go out in free agency and do what I think people expect them to do, which is address at least one starter on the offensive line and address what was a really poor defense last year, they're still going to wind up with two pit with four picks in the top 40. So you've got opportunities to pair guys with other players. One of those opportunities is to p- compare to p- to pair an edge rusher like Thibodeau with Carl Lawson coming back from injury, right? That's a big opportunity. And You've got Quinn Williams and John Franklin Myers in the middle. That becomes an elite defensive front as far as pass rushing goes. Kayvon Thibodeau's agent did a wonderful solid. Did you hear the report a couple weeks ago where they thought he was going to go to the Giants? Did you see that come out? No, They leaked that. Kayvon Thibodeau came out in an interview and said he thought he was going to go to the Giants. The reason that was so brilliant is because the Jet fan base over the next 24 hours exploded on social media that the Jets would possibly pass on Thibodeau at four, largely because they're afraid to take another safety in Kyle Hamilton. But that's a different story for a different day. I think Thibodeau is a really interesting prospect because the player that you see on tape and the dynamic ability to rush the passer doesn't explain why he's falling, right? That means one of two things. We're on the outside. That means one of two things. One, People are lower on his ability as an athlete and a pass rusher than people think. I don't know about you, Josh. That's not me. Is it you? Um, I think he has a lot of room to improve. I think he's a lot of athletic ability right now, Mm -hmm. um, but he has room to improve as a pass rusher. Okay. So Josh is actually, it sounds like you're over the mindset that he actually is a little overvalued at this stage in the game. Um, I slightly, yes. Okay. To me, I can the see cons- the value, though, the positional value and sure. his athletic ability. To me, the concerns here could be from a character standpoint. Because when people start dropping him or anybody for an unrelated football reason or kind of talking about playing going like this yeah. and dipping up and down, that sometimes leads to character issues that we don't know about. So I wonder if that's the case. If he checks every box for you off the field, to me, the guy on the field is worthy of a top five pick. I think you've got a guy that understands how to use his power as a pass rusher. I think he understands how to get by opposing tackles with his shoulder 
dipping under. I don't know if he has perfect uh, lower body flexibility right now. And I think he can improve a little bit in terms of his moveset. But if you listen to the guy at the combine, the guy wants to be here, wants to work, and wants to do football. So if he checks all the boxes for you, if I'm the Jets, I would take him at four, no questions asked. Um, I, I agree if he checks boxes, then you definitely have to. But there's I'm curious on your thoughts on this. There, There's a guy that used to play for the, the Jets. He comes into my job all the time and mm-hmm. he says i want to see card or cornerbacks on this team because we do not have cornerbacks nick mangold all the time is talking about cornerbacks i'm curious do you not see the the value of them taking one here or did you not see the player it was just Thibodeau was just too good to take at this moment rather than a cornerback first off nick is one of my favorite players of all time yeah. so if He's i knew that nick had Jets said great. that i would have changed my mock just to appease nick. <laughs> second of all I think the interesting part about the cornerback class is while it's really good and really deep, I don't know if as of this moment there is a guy that I would throw into that top five lock category. There's a potential for Sauce Gardner to wind up there after this weekend. Sauce Gardner is probably the most elite cover corner in the draft. At six foot two, he checks the box there for Robert Sala, who likes those long athletic corners, right? He loves Bryce Hall because Bryce Hall is long and athletic. So uh, Sauce Gardner checks that box. You're not looking for 4-4 four, four speed this weekend at a Sauce Gardner, right? Six foot two, that's unrealistic. My target is always Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman ran a 4-5-6. That is a wonderful number for a bigger corner. If I can see 4-5-5 five, five at a Sauce Gardner, maybe I do think about putting him at four. And then going edge yeah. rusher later on because edge rusher is so good. That is a possibility for the Jets. I think the wild card for the Jets is Kyle Hamilton. He's the best player in the draft. The Jets need talent. But yeah. he's a safety. And, and that's, that's not positional value. Exactly. And the fan base just had to sit and watch Jamal Adams. So <laughs> can you sell that? I don't know. I, I agree with that. Um I go to Twitter spaces all the time. It's Baltimore Raven Twitter spaces. And I tell them constantly, if there's going to be possibly two players that fall in the top 10, um, Kyle Hamilton, just for the positional value, not saying the type of player he is, but, and I always compare him to this, Malik Hooker Mm. didn't go top 10. And Malik Hooker was compared to Ed Reed when he was coming out. Everyone said this is the next Ed Reed. Sure was. Career didn't turn out to be that way because of injuries. Kyle Hamilton, I don't know. I'd probably say he's a better overall safety than Malik Hooker was. But I think that's fair. I think Malik Hooker was just that much more elite as a cover safety, not saying that uh, Kyle Hamilton isn't. But I just think Hooker was just that guy compared to Ed Reed. Um I think he could fall out of that top 10 very easily just because of the position he plays. I have previously stated I want to see him in in cornerback drills at the Combine just because he might be big, but I think he has that athletic ability. He possibly could be a cover corner. You want to see that backpedal. You want to see if it's fluid. You want to see that. that Listen, my favorite day for the drills is DB day. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's that (laughs) – 
that the set of drills that they run as far as far as that straight line back line, I think is the most comparable thing yeah. that we have in terms of real game anything. And I think it's so easy to see a guy that has it versus a guy that doesn't. I think if you watch the drills for the offensive lineman, you can check traits. You watch the guys for the defensive lineman, you can check traits. I legitimately think if you watch that backpedal for corners, you could legit cross guys off. Like you could take guys off your board on that for straight sure. backpedal because it is something. I think teams have. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it is something that really, really tells you what a guy can do and what a guy can't do. The interesting part about Kyle Hamilton, and this is where if I were a Jet fan that was anti-safety, I would be concerned. Robert Sala really loves a 4-2-5. And I don't know if there is a better chess piece in the draft for a straight 4-2-5 defense than Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. So if I were the Jet, if I were a Jet fan that did not want safety, that would be my concern. Yeah. So with your next pick, you have the New York Giants getting Evan Neal offensive lineman Alabama. I'm curious of where, if you were the Giants, where you're going to play him, mm-hmm. and then as well your your thoughts on the pick. So in my first mock, this was actually a trade for Russell Wilson. In my first mock that I released in January. I backed that off because I'm starting to think that Russell Wilson does not get moved, even though they're starting to become buzz. There's another element to the Russell Wilson trade that people are not talking about, and this is going to sound a little dumb because it's something that everybody should think about, but Sierra's got to sign off on the trade. Oh, yeah. Sierra ain't going to Pittsburgh. I don't care what you want out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't personally see that as a possibility. Which is why when he originally named teams, he named Chicago, New Orleans, and New York. And of the three, people thought New York made the most sense. Why? Because it's the biggest market and it makes yeah. sense for the family. Okay. If they stay where they are in terms of not going to get a quarterback and trying to lean on Daniel Jones, you've got to be able to protect him, right? The perfect situation here for Evan Neal is going to play guard. Because I've got Andrew Thomas on one side, who had a much better second half of the year than people want to give him credit for. People want to label that as a bust, but he had a really good second half of the year. And that's why I asked you where you're going to play him, because Mm -hmm. of Andrew Thomas. He had a really good second half of the year. I like Matt Pert a lot at right tackle. I liked him coming out of the draft. I thought he was a quality right tackle that could eventually go to left. I've seen a guy that's been quality on the right side. He got hurt which makes me think that maybe Neil does go to right tackle, but either way, it ain't going to be left tackle. It'll be right tackle or right guard for Evan Neal. And I think that's a perfect spot for him. I think so. you find a a value for that fifth pick there with him because I think you throw him at left tackle and you had the same issue you had with, uh, I want to say Duke, can't think of his name right now, the last Alabama offensive tackle that got drafted in the, mm-hmm. the first round. Um, he went to right tackle. He didn't belong there, and they had to slide him in the guard. I don't think he be- Evan Neal belongs at left tackle. You would eventually have to slide him over at right tackle and just yeah. throw him there and get the value out of him now. And I think that's fine. I mean, his skill set makes sense for the right side, right? He's terrific in the jump set. He gets his hands on you quick. When he gets his hands on you, he wins. Right tackle. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's I, nothing wrong with that. I always tell people, you're going to look back on the draft two years from now, and you're just going to look at, did the player 
become successful or not. Yep. And was you're not going to care where they play. You could have drafted Zach Martin fourth overall in his draft. He's a guard, but guess what? He's one of the best guards to play in the NFL today. Absolutely. So you, you don't care. You just know you got a very good pick at that time. Yep. So with your next pick, you have Washington Commanders drafting Kenny Pickett, quarterback Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as, as to why Kenny Pickett is your I, – I think I understand why, but I always felt like Corral would be the second quarterback off the board. All right. So, so again, I'm doing this strictly prediction. Yep. This is not my yep. own personal belief of Kenny Pickett. I'm just trying to be right. To me, it's very simple. One guy's healthy, one guy's not. I really think it could come down to that little. Um, As far as Pickett goes, Pickett has the resume in terms of the tape, in terms of what he did in college that's right there with with Corral. And when you talk about the best abilities availability, one's available day one, one is not. So that really could be that all it takes for a team to go Kenny Pickett. In terms of why Washington, it's because Washington probably strikes out from the veteran market. I think they're in on Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think they get him because they're in the NFC. I think they're in on Russell Wilson, but they don't get him because Russ doesn't get traded. And I think they will turn around and be in on a Kirk Cousins reunion, but I think Cousins will wind up elsewhere. Hmm. If they strike out across the board, they now become desperate. Desperation leads usually to giving up a lot. Now, I did not do that. I went for fair evaluation, which you can attest for because you're staring at yeah. at the compensation, right? You gave I don't. Up, I didn't give you, up a lot. No, you have the 11th overall pick, the 42nd overall pick, and a 2023 second round pick. So one and two twos. That's very yeah. fair. Yep. But don't be shocked if a team rips Washington off because they're so de- desperate. I could actually see. So my thought process with Washington, they want to draft a quarterback no matter what. Um, I think unless they can go out and get a um, top-tier Aaron Rodgers or something like that, mm-hmm. I don't think they're settling for anything less than that. They have a new team name. They basically have a new franchise. They're looking at building a new stadium. Yep. They want someone that can be the face of the franchise and get everyone excited. Yep. So I could very well see them going after Malik Willis. Sure. Um, going as high as two, or I don't think two is going to be up for trade. Might be going up to one to get a quarterback or to three to get a quarterback. And I think they're just doing what they can. They want that face of the franchise guy. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Malik Willis as a as a Washington Red or Washington commander at this point. Yeah. No, that was the that was what I had in my first mock in January is I had them going to three. Um I could absolutely see that. Uh I think the bidding war from Malik Willis is gonna involve more teams than people think. Yeah. It may only be obviously Malik Willis can only go one spot, right? It may be that Pittsburgh trades up for him, and it may be as simple as that. But I think if you ask people behind closed doors, hey, were you in on Malik Willis? I'm going to tell you the teams that I think are in on him. Pittsburgh, Washington, Carolina, don't sleep on the Giants, and Detroit. That's one of my favorite spots for him to go. I think every one of those teams could wind up being in on Malik Willis or at least taking a very long look picking him i think dayball is going to see slight glimpse of josh allen in malik willis and he's gonna be like i want that i want to mold that and show that i am the greatest quarterback coach ever 
<laughs> he will have taken two guys yeah, raw with massive arms, but accuracy issues and a little bit of technique issues, and he will have taken both guys and turned them into elite quarterbacks. That is a that is a giant, giant chip on your shoulder if you can be able to do that. And they already declined Daniel Jones's uh, fifth-year option. So you're sitting there with two top ten picks and an uncertainty at quarterback. And you at in New York, you can allow him to sit, let Daniel Jones go, whatever, figure out what you have from him. I mean, it's not straight ideal. Straight competition. Yeah. What's wrong with straight competition at the quarterback position? Let them both run and see what happens. The NFL seems to hate it, but it's not bad at any position, in my opinion. I agree. So with the seventh overall pick, you have the New York Giants taking, with this pick, David Ojabo, edge from Michigan. I know he's a darling in the media right now. Yep. How, How do you view this and what made you think that, because they took a defense end last year in the first round. Do you think you obviously you do that they would come out with the same position in the first round again? Yeah, I think they're going to look for trenches and I think they need pass rushers. I think Leonard Williams has shown you what he does when he's with a pass rusher. Flashback 2 years ago when he's got Marcus Golden and this year when he did not and was not as effective. Um, in terms of a Jabo and why a Jabo, you answer the question. The media loves him. The media loves him. The media thinks very highly of him. And the media has put him higher and higher in the draft. The reason why is because NFL teams have this philosophy that I think fans don't realize. Fans look at the production for a guy. And they want to see the production. NFL teams look for traits. And if you give me an athlete, I can coach him up. This is why Jason Pierre-Paul goes high. This is why a man, a, a Ziggy Ansa goes high. Because if you give me an athlete, I don't care that he's only played five years of football. You give me an athlete that can run the arc, I'll coach him up. I think the NFL truly believes in that philosophy. That's why is going to go a lot higher than people think. Now, he's got to test well this weekend. If he doesn't test significantly better than Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson, and the rest of that edge group, he may wind up in the middle of the first round. But there's no way he's going lower than 20 because he's got those traits and that dip and bend ability. Yeah, he has to be an elite athlete this weekend, without a doubt, because that is what he's going off of. I'm the most elite athlete um, in this class, ideally. But, yeah, I'm curious as to what the New York Times would put out there for Ajabo and Ojolari. I mean, OJ2 or... (laughs) <laughs> what kind of nickname they would have for that pass rush group? Uh, OJ2 is interesting. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, but listen, so, in yeah. terms of those two guys, right, you're getting two guys that fly off the edge. Why does it make sense for the Giants? Because you've got positional guys in the middle, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. So it makes sense to have two guys off the edge that fly. Because if I'm going to kick guys out and I'm going to lend protection there, so I'm going to ha- turn around and have a tight end chip, Or I'm going to turn around and have a running back pick that guy up. Now all of a sudden I've got less help inside. And that could free Leonard Williams up. Yeah, it'd be a scary if they get to their potential. I'm a a big um, Ojolari fan. He last year was my number one defense fan. I'm a Georgia fan, but I like to evaluate my team accurately. But he was my number number one guy last year. 
Um, if they get to their potential, it's that's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL easily. I agree. Um, so with the eighth overall pick, you have the Atlanta Falcons, and I think you're a fan favorite at this point. Obviously, you're going off of what you think teams are going to do. But Kyle Hamilton, safety, Notre Dame, I've talked to a couple or Atlanta Falcon fans, and they want Kyle Hamilton so bad. Yeah, this has got to be the floor, right? Atlanta is in a position where if the best player in the draft, which a lot of people think is Kyle Hamilton, is on the board for a team that needs secondary and not in the top five, because again, we talked about positional value earlier, yep. right? Safety's not high positional value, will amount in the top five. But if he's sitting there at eight, I don't see how he gets past this. We already talked about what he can do on the field and all the dynamic things that you talk about, right, with his range and his ability to play in the box and then go out out high and do different things. And he's a turnover machine. The thing for Hamilton as far as his draft stock is exactly what Josh said earlier, right? It's exactly what you said earlier. He's just a safety. Yep. Unfortunately, that hurts him. It does. And like I said before, I'd like to see him get that value back and try it to be a corner. I don't think he will. I think he has too much value at, at the safety position because you can use him as a chess piece, as you said, the Jets possibly could. But I think you made yourself look very, very smart posting this on the 2nd of March. And you have a trade up here. You have the Green Bay Packers getting a pick from the Broncos in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. And that's not the smart part. Because I think everyone thinks that's an ideal spot for him. But sure. you have Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State, and after his pro, his combine, I mean, is he not wide receiver number one right now? How could he not be? He runs a four. You know, the official time is in the high four threes, which for some reason is looked upon as bad yeah. after that four two six. No, 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 no. This is the best wide. This is the best route runner in the draft class that just showed you the ability to hit the home run. Yeah. Game set match. He could easily be the number one wide receiver off the board. If he's not the number one wide receiver off the board and it's still Garrett Wilson, I think Olave is too. And I think the jump there is that Olave winds up being, I think people had him around five, six, seven. I think he goes too. Interesting. The interesting thing would be where would he go if Jameson Williams was healthy? I don't know. But Jameson Williams is not healthy, which is going to benefit a lot of guys in this draft. A lot of as well. So in this, you have the Denver Broncos acquiring Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers for the ninth overall pick, a 2023 first round pick, and a 2024 conditional third round pick, which is definitely fair compensation. Sure. I think it's understood that Aaron Rodgers wants to leave. He's just trying to, I don't know, keep his name in the media. I don't know what the heck he's doing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the part that I think is a little outdated uh, about this trade is the reason I sent him to Denver was because I thought that they could make a play at Devontae Adams as well. Yeah. It's starting to sound like the Packers are going to tag Devontae Adams and not include him in anything. They truly want to get a long-term deal done with him. They're willing to play hardball with Devontae. I did not see that coming. I thought they would use they they would even let Devontae walk and use the tag elsewhere because they were just so confident that they were not going to be able to convince Aaron Rodgers to stay. 
Now, if they are able to convince Aaron Rodgers to stay and you've got Devontae on a tag, that's beautiful. That yeah. is home run status right there from the back. Um, but if you cannot, I really thought they were going to let Devontae walk, and the team that was going to land Rodgers was also going to land Devontae. Maybe that doesn't happen now, but if he winds up in Denver, he's got Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, and Tim Patrick. That's a receiving core. Yeah, On top of that, that, he's got arguably the best tight end he's ever played with in Noah Fant, which has not been unleashed on the world yet, but I'm going to stand by that statement because somebody needs to feature this guy. He yeah. has all the ability in the world. Would somebody please let him have the football? A quarterback might be able to do that. They don't have one in Denver right now. That's true. And he also might have one of the better running attacks. Um, yep. He has great running backs in Green Bay, but these running backs are just different in Denver right now. True. I I don't know who you start there. I mean, I know the rookie looks really good, but uh, Melvin Gordon Melvin had a Gordon. good year, but Javante, I think Javante's got – Real superstar ability. I do too. Um, I think he would get the look. I think he could have an Aaron Jones like breakout if you stuck Rogers there, uh, and then you have Melvin Gordon to be your, you know, your your, your guy to compliment. I don't know if it's Green Bay good. I'll disagree with you there, just because I truly think AJ Dillon is something we didn't see coming. I think everybody kind of thought that that was a mispick, but the compliment that he has to Aaron Jones is splendid. And he can catch the football. I never saw that out of A.J. Dillon at this I would level. just say this about Green Bay. I don't like the way that they utilize their running backs. Okay, I why? feel like um, they take Aaron Jones out at the wrong time. Okay. The guy gets going, gets going, almost gets a touchdown, then they'll take him out, which, I mean, as a fantasy owner, I'm mad about. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like Aaron Jones is a guy that he builds off of what he's doing. And mm -hmm. you take him out, and then he kind of regresses a little bit. And then he gets going again, and they take him out again. And I I, I don't know. I, I've just never been a fan of how they utilize Aaron Jones. Okay, that's fair. So you kind of touched on it earlier. I, I didn't look ahead. Um, the New York Jets, with the number 10th pick, take Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. You guys get your pass rusher. Pass rusher, mm -hmm. Kayvon Thibodeau, and then you go and get your corner, like Nick Mangold has said to me for a while now. So there you it worked go, Nick, out perfectly. I Nick, I hope I made you happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, Sauce Gardner is an ideal corner for Robert Sala, as I mentioned earlier, and he's a perfect – this is one of those perfect scheme fits in this draft. I got a couple in this mock. This is one of them. It's so perfect. If he does test well, I think he's in play at four. If he doesn't test well, this is the interesting part. If he doesn't test well, he might not be in play at all. Maybe the Jets turn around and change their strategy and they go sign a corner and maybe at this pick, take your guy Charles Cross there because go. there's rumors that they're not particularly free, pleased with Mekhi Becton right now. Ooh. So... Maybe they go take your guy Charles Cross and stick him at left tackle and try to move Mackay Becton. Now Mackay Becton's looking like he's putting in the work in the offseason, so hopefully cross everything there and, and he's good and he could stay on the field. He's a beast when he's on the field, but there's some rumblings that they may not be happy with him. So if Sauce Gardner does not test well, 
maybe this is offensive line. But as of right now, I think Sauce is going to test fine, and I think he's in play for the Jets at 10. So as a Cowboys fan, I always get a little freaked out with cornerbacks that don't get tested too much at, at the, the college level. I can and, understand that. Yeah. So I'm alluding to Morris Claiborne, and it's just it, it freaks me out. And I put it on his tape, and I might have a little bias here, but – he wasn't as sticky as I expected him to be. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's good in coverage, but I just didn't see a first-round guy. I just felt like they looked him off a little bit too much. And okay. They didn't even test him. If um, you not saying ex- not a first-round guy, sorry. Yeah, not no, a top-ten guy. But not a top-ten guy. Yeah. If you were to check off his best trait, what would you pick? <sighs> I think he's really good at playing the ball. And I think that's why yeah. the Jets need him. Yeah. Because their best corner right now is not so great at playing the ball. Bryce Hall is terrific in, you know, staying with his man and trailing and 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 he's able to break up passes. But that goose egg in the interception department. Yeah. Sauce Gardner gives them a different element. So with the eleventh pick, you also have a well, it's a trade that happened before. You had the commanders move up, Carolina Panthers move back. And with that eleventh pick. You have Trevor Penning, offensive line, Northern Iowa. And I was at the Senior Bowl, and I saw this guy tossing people around like ragdoll. Oh, yeah. And it was well after the play was over. So he is a mean man. And I think he kind of fits what Carolina likes. I I just imagine Carolina offensive linemen almost like I imagine Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Raven players. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I just feel like they have to be nasty. And it, it might come down to... I want to say the early 2000s, I feel like they were a nasty group of offensive Yeah, linemen. they were. Ran the ball behind that yep. to Sean, behind Sean Foster. And then yep. later on with D'Angelo Williams, right? They ran the ball. Jonathan Stewart, that nasty in the trenches, Jordan Gross era, yep. right? So I'm with you. Um, and Trevor Penning, uh, you talked about at the Senior Bowl and why his stock went the way it did. He had a phenomenal Senior Bowl. He comes in with a nastiness. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He flirts that line. Of being aggressive, he goes. Yeah. Sometimes he's a little under, a little and sometimes <laughs> he's a little over. Very much like Taylor Lewan for Tennessee, and that's actually one of the comps that I have for yeah. him. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, that would be a comp. I think the offensive line class as a whole is good, not great, and I don't know if its ceiling is super high, but I think Trevor Penning can be a quality starter for a team that wants to run the football. We know Matt Rule wants to run the football. So Yeah. I I agree with that. I love I love the potential of Trevor Penning. I don't think he's a, a finished product yet, obviously. I don't think too many players in this draft are finished products. But I love his nastiness and I love the potential of him because you throw him in the run game, he's tossing people and he's putting people on the ground and he's setting a mindset that at the end of the game, these people aren't going to want to deal with him. And your running game is going to open up that much better because of that. And I I just I love Trevor Penning. And he's one of my guys in this draft, too. I, I prefer to – I'm curious where you're going to throw him. Um, right tackle, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's a perfect spot for him. Yeah. And then with the 12th pick – Well, Minnesota, why don't you take yeah. this one? I got Trayvon yeah. Walker here. You just mentioned Georgia. 
You pitched oh, me I'm, Trayvon Walker here. Big Georgia guy. I have not watched him not as a fan. I can tell you that. Um, but Trayvon Walker, he's, I think, one of the best edge rushers, edge rushers in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he is... I'm trying to... I'm trying to figure out my evaluation side of him, not my fan side of him. I think what you like about Trayvon Walker in terms of the He's evaluator an athlete, standpoint, that for sure. definitely an athlete. How many times they kick him inside and he won? Yeah. They did that a lot. They moved him around that offensive line. He can go three tech, five tech, seven tech, win. That is something that actually of the top edge rushers, Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Ajabo, Johnson, he's the only guy that can do what he can do. And that's a big chip on his shoulder as far as his draft stock goes. I think I have him too low. I can't figure out which team trades into the top 10 for an edge rusher. But if the Giants have two first-round picks and Joe Schoen said he's open for business and the Jets have two first-round picks and we all know Joe Douglas is going to be open for business and Atlanta could move down and Carolina could move down, somebody there has got to be looking to come up for an edge rusher. So I couldn't figure out who it was in this draft. I think Trayvon Walker is going to wind up in the top 10. And I think he might end up with the Giants, um, depending on how David Ajabo tests. Tests, sure. And you mentioned that before. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I I love that pick. And we heard Dane Brugler a couple weeks ago say he's going to be a top 10 pick. So take that for what you will. I think the likelihood is there. I think that's yeah. good odds. So with the next pick, 13th overall, you have Cleveland Browns taking Drake London, wide receiver USC. Yeah. If we were on the spot right now, I'd have swapped <laughs> that to Garrett Wilson. And the okay. reason is Drake London didn't test, and that concerns me. This was an opportunity for Drake London to show everything in the repertoire. And I understand that the foot, the, the ankle may not be 100%, but if it was 90%, I would have given it a go. Because you don't have to go run the routes. We don't need you to run the routes. Just go show me a little bit. If you show me 90% and you show me 4, 5, 6, 5, and 90%, I'm in. Sign me up. You yeah. show me that leaping ability that he's got, sign me up. Like, and 90%, I'm good. I just wanted to see something, and I saw nothing. So right now, my overreaction theater would be I'm putting Wilson in. The only thing is people forget that Baker loves to throw jump balls. The thing at Oklahoma that Baker loved was that 50-50 ball to Andrews. He loved it. He used to launch that thing up anytime he saw the opportunity. He has not had that guy out wide. Beckham is a great leaper. He's not a 50-50 go-getter. He made that phenomenal catch that he has ridden a career off of. He's better when you put the ball in his hands and say go. Drake London is the best (laughs) 50-50 catcher in the draft. You didn't have to bring up that catch, by the way. uh, That was unintentional. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Any case, Drake London is the best 50-50 pass catcher in the draft. So... My question would be, this draft is loaded at wide receivers. Yes. I could very easily, Alec Pierce, we talked about him prior. Mm -hmm. He blew up, he made money at the Combine this week. 
had a 40 inch vertical. Yeah. Six three. Four three four? Four three three? Four three three maybe official. Yeah, made some money. Um is he kind of what everyone was hoping? Drake London would? I don't know if listen, if you saw four three three out of Drake London, I think that's probably a little ambitious. Yeah. Um I think again, a guy that's six five like London, I think you're looking for somewhere in around that four or five range. I think it's a great time. Um He's a 50-50 pass catcher. He wins in the red zone. He would solve a lot of issues that Baker's got in Cleveland, which is why if I'm Cleveland, I understand. I get it. The wide receiver class is loaded. Why not take a different need? Well, think about how many needs you actually have if you're Cleveland. If you sign Jadevian Clowney, we've shored up the edge opposite Miles Garrett if you sign Jadevian Clowney. We're going to walk in not needing corner. First time in a while. Linebackers, not really a spot at 13. Offensive line set. You run the ball. You need pass catcher. I think if you take one at 13, why not take one again in the second round? Like, throw them until you hit them. You know? If if you're going to know what Baker's got, you got to figure it out now, which means give him every opportunity to be successful, throw them all the pass catchers. See if somebody hits. No, I, I agree with that. Um, you either you're doing that or you're taking the best player available because of what you have in that position. Like, I wouldn't be mad if they went defense in there and had a rotation going. Yeah, but possible. it's very likely that they're going wide receiver, and I think a lot of people have them going wide receiver. If you don't go wide receiver there, I think you have answered every single question you have about Maker Baker Mayfield. Because if you don't go receiver there, it means you don't think that Baker Mayfield can be a guy that wins games for you. If that's the case, then you cannot pay him. You have to roll the dice, trying to get a veteran in here, and that's it. If you think Baker can be your guy, you best take pass catcher at 13. Yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think they believe in Baker. I'll, I'll put that out there. So we'll see. So with the 14th overall pick, um, I'm following the Baltimore Ravens very closely because, like I said, I've been in a lot of Ravens uh, spaces on Twitter, um, and I never considered this to be an option. Kenyon Green, interior offensive lineman, Texas A&M, but I absolutely love it. I'm so happy you did not do Lindenbaum there. Because he's not a scheme fit. No, he is not. So I love Kenyon Green going there. I've always said I want to see N'Kobe Dean okay. go to Baltimore because I feel like the Baltimore Ravens defense, ever since Ray Lewis has left, is missing a leader. And sure. N'Kobe Dean is an absolute leader of – he's an alpha leader. I'll Absolutely. put it that way. He is – he was at Georgia with nothing but five and four stars on the entire defense. And he's the guy that everyone looked at as this, the guy we're going to follow. And if you're that kind of a guy, I I want you on my team. Josh, Um, I want you to keep that in mind for when you see N'Kobe Dean later in this draft. I will be very happy. Everything in mind of what you just said and why you just said it. We're doing a little, little big J move here uh, for for the people watching (laughs) at home. Right. We're, we're giving you a little bit of taste of what's to come, but keep that in mind when we yes, get to Nicobe Dean later in this draft. As far as Kenyon Green goes, 
Kenyon Green is one of my favorite players in the draft because you cannot teach intelligence on the offensive line. Yes. The Giants won two Super Bowls without any athletes on the offensive line and not even a true tackle. They stuck David Deal all over the lot. They stuck Chris Snee all over the lot. Sean O'Hara got had a wonderful career because he was one of the smartest guys to play the position. There's a reason the network hired that guy. Yep. The network hired him because he's so intelligent and understands what it takes to be a pro and an offensive line. Kenyon Green has played a bunch of different spots on the line at Texas A&M. That, for me, is a massive check of the box. It's a little bit of a reach in terms of where he should go, maybe, based on where people have been projecting him. But I think the offensive line for the Ravens has become a little bit of a need. You're going to lose Bradley Bozeman, Bradley Bozeman so you're going to need that inside guy. And if Patrick McCarry wants to move inside, they love Patrick McCarry, but they don't know where he should play. Yeah. So let's move him inside. Now all of a sudden you can do that. You could even throw Kenyon Green at right tackle. Yep. Or you could stick McCarry at right tackle and move Kenyon Green inside. You've got versatility here. And that's something Baltimore loves out of their offensive linemen. I, like I said, I, I never even thought about this. Kenyon Green, he's one of the top offensive linemen in this draft. Like you Agreed. said, very flexible. And it doesn't matter if they sign Bozeman or not. Um, you can still make this pick and it'll still be a great pick. Sure. Um, absolutely love it. it. Like right now my mind's blown just because <laughs> I started reading Bozeman at center. I'm like, huh. And Linderbaum isn't a fit for them. He's better off in nope. a zone scheme to where Kenyon Green is going to be better in the man blocking scheme and a power scheme. Yep. And I think a lot of people are sitting around like, man, this one guy hasn't gone yet. And he's considered the top tier guy in this draft. So with the 15th overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles take Derek Stingley Jr. I think I know why you're going to say he fell on in this draft. Um, but I'd like to hear it from you. For the record, don't sleep on Stingley falling even further. I can see it. What what teams love to do in the NFL, in the NFL is they love to generate buzz around a guy in a negative way to get him to drop, especially if they think they can scoop him up. Derek Stingley is one of the better corners in the draft in terms of man coverage, super sticky, long corner. When the tape is good, it is phenomenal. When the tape is bad, it's ugly. And he's got an injury history. So because of that up and down roller coaster, he falls to 15. Now, having said that, this is another one of the perfect fits in this draft for me. Because, Josh, if I asked you for a player comp for Derek Stingley, I don't know if you've watched him or how I, much I've you've watched, watched him. him. Okay. So um, if I asked for a player comp, where would you go? And then I'll give you mine afterwards. I hate doing player comps. I me really too. do. Me too. Me um, too. I actually compared him to Patrick from last year's draft, Patrick, Patrick Sertan. Sertan. Love yeah. that. And I like doing guys that are recent because you can, you yeah. see traits and whatnot. I don't like going back and doing guys. No. But player comps are a good buzzword for a casual fan. For a casual fan of the draft, not even a casual NFL fan, just a casual fan of the draft, player comps are a good buzzword that we all kind of have to lean into. I think Darius Slay is a perfect one. There you go. Because Darius Slay is really sticky and pressing. Yeah. 
And that's where I think Derek Stingley could be. And he makes plays on the ball, just like Slay does. Sticking the two of them opposite each other, I think could be a matchup nightmare for opposing teams. For sure. And I will say Derek Stingley is one of, one of the smoothest athletes on the field whenever he's playing. He, he really is. And I thought when I asked you why he fell, I thought you were going to say availability is the best ability mm-hmm. because he's missed a lot of games. Sure. Um, Patrick Sertan did as well. But what you saw when you evaluated Patrick Sertan was this super intelligent cornerback. Yes. I don't think you have that fully and stingly just because he doesn't have the amount of games under him. Agreed. And he also doesn't have a Hall of Fame dad that's coached him up his entire career. I would agree with that as well. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah made the Antonio Cromartie comp to Sauce Gardner, okay, which I think is fair. But I also think it could play to Derek Stingley. Just because in terms of Crow, Crow was such a smooth athlete that it almost looked like at times he wasn't trying. That's kind of the way Stingley is. He's such a smooth athlete. He looks like he's just there. But he's right where he should yep. be trying to make a play on the ball, particularly in man coverage. Yep. I agree. And so Philadelphia got lucky and I'm um, very mad at the Indianapolis Colts, but they got two back-to-back picks. So with the 16th overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jermaine Johnson, the edge out of Florida state slash Georgia slash Joku. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Blew up at the combine. He's super talented, or not the combine, the senior bowl. Senior bowl. Super talented kid. Um, obviously recruited at Georgia, had off the field issues, had to go to a jo- uh, Joku school. And then he ended up at Florida State. I don't think he fully has hit his development yet. And I think there's I a agree. lot of the talent to unlock there. So I'm not happy with this pick, but go ahead. and tell I, me would, I would agree, and I think that's why – what he did at the senior bowl stood out so much because there was such refinement to his game as a pass rusher that I don't think people saw on tape. And I don't think people expected maybe it's a credit to the coaching staff that got a hold of him that week. And if it is that, that shows you he's a sponge and he's able to soak things up and then spit them out and go quickly. Right. That's a big trait to have. Jermaine Johnson has a huge weekend because he's going to have a lot of questions to answer. Those Juco questions are going to come up. He's got to answer them head on. So he's got a big weekend in terms of the interview process. In terms of testing, he'll be fine testing. He's an athlete. But he's got a big interview process to lock himself in as a top 20 pick. So with the 17th overall pick, you have Why don't you take this one? Because this is your boy. Yeah, this is my guy. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, you have them getting my guy in last year's draft, Slater. And now they just... Got Charles Cross, my guy who I just said earlier, I would put right under Slater in, mm-hmm. in last year's draft out of Mississippi State. This guy, he's a super pass rusher, pass protector, um, but he's also he's a finesse run blocker. I, I think he does everything technically sound in the run game, and he's got the speed to get to the next level. You just didn't see a lot of it when he was playing in college. Mississippi State... Um, they do a lot of the spread offense, and he's pass blocking 90% of the time. So I, I want to say, if I remember correctly, he gave up only two sacks his entire career. 
And Maybe. it's, yeah, I, it wasn't very much. And I know he over and above had, I think he had like 400 um, pass protecting plays in last last season. He's an elite pass blocker, like I said prior. But I love the fit best because you're going to be, you're protecting Justin Herbert yeah. beyond the edges there. That yeah, no one's getting by them. I promise you that. Yeah, let me ask you this: Where would you play him and Slater? If I had to, who goes do, to right? I would hate to move Slater, but I think Charles Cross has to be a left tackle. I agree. I don't think Charles Cross goes to the right hand side. That was the point of the move here. Yeah, the point of the move here was. The Chargers have the middle to left-hand side actually solidified. Yeah. So if you take Slater and put him on an island at right tackle, he can actually be extremely extremely successful. So I think that's a move that you can make, and I think now you have a really athletic front for a team that's going to want to chuck and duck and run the ball you know, in space, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I think the Chargers could become – an even more electric offense than they were. And I'm excited for the screen game as well because they're very mm-hmm. athletic tackles, and I think the screen game opens up. I just I think it would be hard to sell to the fans, hey, we're going to draft Charles Cross, who everyone has, has in the media as the third offensive tackle, and then we're going to move Slater to right tackle, who was an yeah. all-pro offensive tackle. I think it would be a hard sell, but in my mind, you solidified it for years like that's a beautiful thing. You sell fans with wins. Yeah, there you go. This helps wins. So with the 18th overall pick, New Orleans Saints take Matt Corral, quarterback, Ole Miss. Um, I'm curious because I haven't been following the New Orleans Saints since Sean Payton has left. Mm-hmm. Are they going to run the same offensive scheme? I'm not so sure, but what I do know is that they are $76 million in the hole, (laughs) and you need a rookie quarterback to get out of $76 million in the hole, which is why Matt Corral is here at 18 from a prediction standpoint. And I say that because I think Matt Corral would be a beautiful fit with Sean Payton. Me too. He really would. Me too. Do you have anything to say about this, or it's just a – Look, we need something here. I don't don't love – the quarterback class as a whole, because I don't know if you've got guys that are worthy of investing in, in first rounds, I would rather build an off a, a, a unit and then insert the quarterback last. What I will say from Corral's standpoint, the dude has a chip on his shoulder, the size of the entire state of Louisiana. Yeah. He runs with it when he's running the football, he leads with it on the sideline at Ole Miss and then he turns around and he slings some passes in there that I don't know that he can make at the next level, but he's going to sling them and he's going to take the risk. And if for an offense that hopefully is going to be ran in a Sean Payton offense, I think yeah. Dennis Allen stayed there. So it wouldn't make sense for the offense to stay there, yeah. right? Hopefully that offense sticks around. It makes a lot of sense for Matt Corral to run. You give him Michael Thomas, you give him Alvin Kamara. Most importantly, you give him a defense that's actually pretty underrated. So we'll see if they can make it successful. If I were grading the pick, I don't love it because I think this could wind up setting New Orleans back. But listen, you are so many million dollars in the hole. You've got to get a rookie quarterback in here yeah. and hit on it just so that you can alleviate yourself from the from the from cap hell. 
I, I agree. You need to do something. Um, I am curious. Did they guarantee Taysom Hill's contract? I don't think they did. I think it's a bunch of incentives. Okay. So. So that, that's what was running in the back of my head yeah. when I saw it was, I thought I heard they guaranteed it. If they did, I think they're going to have to run with Taysom Hill, which is not going to be pretty. Yeah, it's gross. But, yeah. <laughs> that's gross. With the 19th overall pick, you have a trade here. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles acquired Calvin Ridley. Yep. Which... This trade looked a lot better pre-Amari Cooper cut. <sighs> You're making the Philadelphia Eagles an actual good team here. Um, this looked, a, Listen, this trade looked a lot better pre-Amari Cooper cut. Right now, yeah. it does not look as good because I would put the Eagles as the favorites to land Amari Cooper because you don't have to give anything up. And you can turn around and take a guy that probably complements Devonta Smith a little better than Calvin Ridley does. Well, here's my thing. I think they're very similar players. I think Amari Cooper is a great route runner. I think Devonta Smith is a great route runner. Um, Both possession receivers. I think Amari Cooper is a bigger body. Mm -hmm. Or should I say Devonta Smith is a smaller Amari Cooper. I agree. But again, Calvin Ridley is a smaller, right? So like we're doing the same thing again. But I think you get more of a deep threat from Calvin Ridley than you do any of these guys. I do too. But I think as far as Cooper goes... I think Jalen Hurts makes the most sense to keep it from 0 to 15. I think he could be really good there. Oh, I, I think when too. you start trying to stretch it down the field, I think that's when he gets into trouble, when they try to take those shots down the yeah. field. I think that's when he kind of gets into trouble. He's a rhythm thrower, like, yeah. like like in basketball, like a rhythm jump shooter. He's a rhythm thrower. He can get into a rhythm and get really hot. I say that oh. about Desmond Ritter in this draft. I think he's a rhythm I agree with that well. 100%. Desmond Ritter is a r- rhythm thrower. Yeah. Um, if you give him a guy like Cooper who can win in that short area, I think that makes more sense than having to give up the 19th overall pick for Calvin Ridley. But in this scenario, I gave up the 19th overall pick there for Calvin go. Ridley, and now we get Atlanta here from the trade, which is interesting from Atlanta's perspective because do you turn around and take wide receiver? I think that's in play. Calvin Ridley is only getting traded because it makes the most sense for a team trying to turn over the roster a little bit. And in Matt Ryan's case, Matt Ryan just had a very successful year without him. So instead of paying Calvin Ridley at 28 years old, you let him walk and you try to bring in a young guy. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't see how Atlanta passes on Devin Lloyd, though, the same way I don't see how they pass on Kyle Hamilton. Those are two outstanding chess pieces on the defensive end. They currently have zero. Yeah. They have Grady Jarrett, who's a great individual player, and A.J. Terrell, who had a terrific year. And that's it. That's all you got on defense. So if you want to go win an NFC South that has taken a step backward now with all that Tampa Bay has lost, you got to fix that defense. That I've said that if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I want to go down to that division. I want to go to Tampa oh, and yeah. figure out how to win because I'm guaranteed a playoff. If they do not get a quarterback there, this division's wide open. Wide open. So Devin Lloyd, he's a big splash player. You, He will give you three to four amazing plays in a game, it's, whether it's in the, the rushing ability that he has, his coverage ability. He might get lost a little bit sideline to sideline. He, he yeah. loses it with his eyes. 
Yeah. But he, oh my goodness, you watch him and he just explodes off the off the. I date. forgot about one of the guys on the defensive side of the ball for Atlanta, and that's Deion Jones, who is an excellent oh, player yeah. in his own right. I didn't give yes. Deion Jones enough credit there in that little rant. But Deion Jones is actually why Devin Lloyd makes a lot of sense yes. here. Because Devin Lloyd gets to play downhill like he shot out of a cannon, and Jones will go sideline to sideline and cover. Yeah, there you go. So you have where the Steelers traded up, I believe. Yep. Yep. Steelers traded up. You have the Houston Texans at number 20, and they get George Karloftis, or Karloftis the edge Purdue. Um, I have not watched this guy yet, so I cannot speak on him other than what I've heard of him. And from what I understand, his ceiling is very low, but he has a high floor. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, I'll be honest with you. I kind of wanted to take Karloftis out of this first round. It has <laughs> nothing to do with the player. I, I like the player. I think he's solid. I think he do, what he's what you see is what you get. Yeah. Sets the edge well, wins with power. Um, he's always going to be in the right spot positionally. That just doesn't lend you a first-round pick anymore. Because if he's a solid 8- to 10-year pro, that's wonderful. But we want guys that are exploding off the edge in that first round. Again, I would go back to Ajabo. Give me athlete. I will teach yeah. you technique. That is the NFL philosophy. Karloftis yep. doesn't fit that. <laughs> so Karloftis is here. There Again, another asterisk. Karloftis is here for now. And you... Had something else go through my brain as well, just like you did when you mentioned uh, OBJ's catch. Um, that's why Dallas took Taco Charlton over TJ Watt. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Thank you, Dallas. Nailed that. And, yeah. <laughs> so with the 21st overall pick, another pick that I'm like, okay, yeah, I love that. New Orleans Patriots or New England Patriots select Barnard Raymond, offensive tackle Central Michigan. Yeah. I will say I love the guy as soon as I found out he is a um, foreign um, – I think he's a foreign exchange student that came mm-hmm. over, played wide receiver at first, two years at tight end, and then he played two years at tackle. And you put on the film and you're like, this guy only has two years? Because you see there's little technique issues that he needs to correct. But then you see him in the run game and oh, you're like, yeah. goodness. This guy I talked Ooh. about Trevor Penning before. He's on Oof. par with Trevor Penning with his nastiness and just his overall ability at run blocking. Mm-hmm. And then you put on the the where he's pass blocking, and then you're like, I see the technic- technique issues, but he's there. Like he can it can click like that for this man, sure. and he can be super good. And um, doesn't it make per- the most sense for him to go? Perfect to spot a team that takes traits on the offensive yep. line and makes them blossom, right? Yep. That's New England's thing with when from from the ages of you know Dante Scarnecchia and taking all these guys like a guy like Trent Brown and making him what he was. That has not been lost since Scar left the building. They still do a wonderful job of it. Michael Owenu has become a terrific player for them in terms of the guard. Justin Heron, every time Justin Heron gets a look, he produces. Isaiah yeah. Wynn has not been successful because the best ability is availability, and he is not available. So if you're looking to replace something on an offensive line where you're going to lose Trent Brown and maybe you lose Isaiah Wynn, 
I need a tackle to come in here and for a team that's going to want to run the ball to win, line up Raymond at right tackle and say, we're going that way. We are going full speed ahead right behind this guy and yeah. let him learn how to win in pass protection over time. And I think that's what you have to do with this, man. You have to throw him in and he'll learn. I I believe you get to the end of the season, he'll be just fine. You're Me not going to have an issue with him. Me too. So as a Georgia fan, I will have to say, I slightly disagree with this pick. And it very well could happen depending on how his combine goes. Mm -hmm. But with the second, 22nd overall pick, the Las Vegas Raiders take Jordan Davis, interior defensive lineman, Nose tackle out of Georgia. So now talk this to me. guy, he's a two-down lineman. For sure. Um, but he's trying to lose weight. I think he's trying to lose 20 pounds come combine. He understands that he needs to get more of a pass rush, which I think he's very good at the pass rush already. Um, it's just he gets tired easily. And I also, he understands that he needs to be a three down lineman and if he can get to that point this is a no-brainer pick mm -hmm. maybe he's got a steal of the draft i compare him to john henderson okay i like that um and i say i don't like doing comps but i see this guy and it's john henderson 2.0 but i think he's a candidate to fall into the second round I agree with that. Um, the reason he went here is because of the uncertainty the Raiders have at the interior defensive line position. Uh, you're going to lose Solomon Thomas this offseason, most likely to the Jets. No big deal. Um, I think the, the reunion for Solomon Thomas and Robert Sala makes a lot of sense, uh, especially because the Jets are going to need some defensive line. I think Sheldon Rankins is probably a cut. So Solomon Thomas can slide in and do versatile things. And I think he yeah. makes sense to wind up in elsewhere instead of not with the Raiders. And Jonathan Hankins is a free agent as well. So for right now, that's why this pick was there yeah. at 22. But if you're telling me that Jordan Davis slides, interior defensive lineman slide. Yeah. You know? I, I agree. Safeties go, don't go top five, interior defensive lineman slide. People, the NFL, we've talked about this throughout this entire show. The NFL has certain things they like, and they have certain things they don't like. Yep. They don't care for nose tackles too much. No, they do not. Unless you're super athletic. If... Or you're Dave Gettleman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so with the 23rd overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals take Trent McDuffie, cornerback Washington. What do you have there? This is one of DJ's favorite players. DJ raves about this guy, and he's raved yeah. about him on his big board, and he, th he thought he was in play for the Jets at 10 in, one in his first mock. Um, McDuffie is a all around solid corner, willing to tackle, plays the nickel, does a lot of things, moves around. Interestingly enough, they've got a guy like that in Byron Murphy. So here's a second guy that does similar things and you can kind of build a defense that way in terms of the two chess pieces, excuse me. Um, McDuffie for me is not going to go as high as people think just because I think the NFL He's going to view his best ability as his ability to play nickel. That's actually a reason. That's actually a reason for him to slot for a team to try to build some negative buzz around him and scoop him in round two at the top of that board. So teams can try to play into that and say, listen, maybe he's only a nickel and try to feed that to the media. And then maybe a team backs off of it. 
And you know, it ha- listen, it sounds silly, but it happens a lot. No, it does. Where teams feed information to the media and then another team goes and evaluates and is convinced of something that maybe they didn't see the first time. Again, if I sit here and tell you that a movie is phenomenal and the movie is really good, but it's not great, you're not going to like it as much because I sat here and told you the movie was phenomenal, right? This is a common human thing to do. So it works. It has a track record of working and maybe a team is able to do it with McDuffie. So I agree. And I, I love Washington corners just overall. Um, Since I'm trying to think of who the cornerback was that went to the, at the time, San Diego Chargers that didn't work out. And I think he's now in San Francisco. Can't think of his name right now. Yeah, Jason Verrett. I just, I love what Washington puts out. Elijah Molden was a really good corner last year. He might have been a top five corner if you put it in that class, the rankings, cornerback class. He was probably the fifth best, best one of the fifth best cornerbacks in that draft. Yeah. Um, but positional value. He's a nickel guy. Yeah. He's a slot guy. Um, so he fell down to the third round. You could see Trent McDuffie fall because of that, but he's a great player. He can cover very, very well. Yeah. I again, for me, I'm trying to be accurate. And again, yeah. based yep. on the, no, the yeah. buzzwords from DJ, from Jeremiah, and the buzzwords from the guys that are putting him high in mocks, I think there's a lot of warrant for him being in one of the first round selections. I just don't see him at ten yeah. for the same yeah. reason that you were talking about. Yeah, definitely. And then. With the 24th overall pick, the Dallas Cowboys take my guy, N'Kobe Dean, linebacker, Georgia. I don't think it happens. I mean, I would love for this to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think N'Kobe Dean gets out of the top 10. I really okay. don't. But I would run around my house. I would start banging pots and pans. I would be <laughs> super excited for this because I think he is a franchise-changing player. Yeah. he His leadership, like I mentioned before, is – Unreal. I think he has, and I mentioned the name before, he's not the player that he is, but I think he has a leadership quality of of Ray Lewis. And I think he can go on any team and be successful. And that's the thing, right? We we, we, we talked about this earlier of remembering what Josh had said about N'Kobe Dean and his leadership. You want to know what the Dallas Cowboys are missing right now on defense? A leader. And we might be missing our biggest leader. I think Demarcus Lawrence is... Be, being considered as a, a trade or a cut candidate. Yep, which, again, Micah Parsons at least solves your issue there. I don't think you have to rush to an edge rusher because um, Micah Parsons okay. gives you a lot of, uh, again, you could, a chess piece, move them around. Yep. Um, what I think you need is a leader. I think yes. you need a three-down line, a three-down linebacker you need in general. Yes. But if he comes with a leadership tag, now you've hit a home run. Yes. And this is a home run pick for the Dallas Cowboys and one of my favorite fits in the draft. Josh, I will disagree with you. I actually think it has a better chance to happen than you think. Uh-oh. And the reason is off-ball linebackers, yeah. not a darling of the first round. Yeah. So I think he winds up being in the second half of that draft, of that first round, and all of a sudden maybe Dallas is in play. The only thing that comes to mind is Roquan Smith, if, correct me if I'm wrong, was a top 10 pick. He was eight. He was eight. Um, he was I a smaller was linebacker. Yeah, I, think he was I think he was eight. I think he was. Um, 
small linebacker, um, Nicobe Dean, smaller linebacker, but you put Nicobe Dean and Roquan Smith up against each other, Nicobe Dean beats Roquan at every skill set. I promise you that. Coverage ability, that was Roquan Smith. Everyone said he couldn't cover. Yeah. Nicobe Dean didn't give up a single touchdown in coverage his entire career at Georgia. Um, his uh, He's very, very good at, at rushing the passer. And he is, his sideline-to-sideline side ability is you did not watch a tackle in Georgia without seeing at least N'Kobe Dean around that type right. of tackle. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, N'Kobe Dean is a hell of a player. Yes. <laughs> in terms of the draft that Roquan went, Roquan yeah. went eighth to the Chicago Bears. I am staring at the draft right now in the first round. The first edge rusher we have off the board is Marcus Davenport at 14 via a trade. As a matter is of this fact, the TJ Watt. This, trade? I mean, it could trade? be the it could be the Watt draft in 2018. Yeah. I think that I think does check out. But what I'm getting at here is edge rushers in this draft were not valued highly. Yeah. On top of that, yes, you've got a bunch of quarterbacks that go, but if I'm looking for defensive pieces, if there's not a lot of edge rushers, we're talking back seven, and there is a all-world talent as an off-ball linebacker, he can go a little higher if the edge class yeah. is lower. That's not the case this year. The edge class is terrific. So the edge class has exploded. They're talking about eight edge rushers in the first round, which is a ridiculous number that could let Dean slide. So you did have Bradley Chubb in this draft. He went number five to mm. Denver. Bradley Chubb was fifth. Yeah. That's right. Denzel Ward cornerback. Um but yeah, Roquan Smith. You had Vita Vea as well. Deron Payne. So you Again, had the ta- talent there. But we're talking about guy we're talking about yeah. guys in non premium positions, yeah. right? Deron Payne. Vita Vea, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, I think, is in this draft in 19. You also uh, had Derwin James, which to Buffalo. safety. Derwin James, non-premium <laughs> positions, right? You had This draft has premium positions. Elite talent, but fell in this draft. I, I think a lot of people thought he could go top 10, and he just fell because of his mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we also have the 25th overall pick. Buffalo Bills take Kyler Gordon cornerback Washington, another Washington guy. We love him here. Um, Tell me about that pick. Kyler Gordon is supposedly going to test really well, and I think that's a big thing in terms of what he's able to do, particularly in the drill portion of the show for when the DBs come up. Kyler Gordon is best served in off coverage. Uh, That's where people kind of rave about him. If he shows you quality technique in that backpedal drill and he shows you quality technique in the drill portion of the combine, I think you're going to see a guy that might surprise people assuming that he tests well and might go a little higher than people think. But again, if you read the expert, like if you read what the experts are saying about him, it's not somebody that I have watched super closely, but Again, we're doing this from an accuracy standpoint. And when I read about him from an accuracy standpoint is a guy that can rise if he tests the way people think he's going to test. So the only shocking thing I have so far in the cornerback class is I'm shocked Andrew Booth hasn't gone yet. 
Well, I'll get into that if if okay. you want to if you want to dump into this. so so let's dive into that because Andrew Booth yeah. is a darling of a lot of people. Yeah, but there's a huge asterisk next to that because Andrew Booth has not been seen on a number of high profile mock people, right? The McShays yeah. and the Kuipers and the Daniel Jeremiah. So if I'm trying to predict this and yeah. I'm trying to go from a prediction standpoint, I understand that Andrew Booth can do things in coverage that a Kyler Gordon cannot do and a Trent McDuffie maybe cannot do. But maybe there's something we don't know. And again, yeah. that's my pause for concern. If everybody's so low on this guy – there's something that we may not be privy to and may not know. Remember, around this time last year, people had Micah Parsons way down the draft board because of character issues that all came out around this time of year. And then he wound up going to Dallas and it never mattered, right? So Andrew Booth could wind up being in that 15 range. But I haven't heard yeah. of a lot of – I haven't heard of anything around Andrew Booth from the big guns which makes me think that there's something there that maybe people are missing. So from a prediction standpoint, I dropped Andrew Booth in this. I could be wrong, but yeah. again, I'm going for it to be right. I, I, I don't agree that I would have Kyler Gordon over Andrew Booth. I'm with you. I would take yeah. Andrew Booth over him. I think that's a slam dunk. I think if you ask a lot of people, they would take Andrew Booth over Kyler Gordon too. But I haven't seen it that way. If you would have asked me last year, I would have had Jeremiah Wusukoromo in the first round just off of his talent alone. And he fell to the second round. And I I was dumbfounded. I don't know how a team didn't jump on him the first pick in the second round. And like you said, off-ball linebackers, value's not there, but his talent is unreal. And the Cleveland Browns got to steal with him 100%. And that might happen with Andrew Booth. Yep. Maybe people are overthinking Andrew Booth. Maybe other people are like, you know what? I don't see the guy that's going to prevent people from taking the top off the defense. Or yeah. maybe I don't see the guy in trail technique that's going to really be able to stay with guys as they make moves. Uh, maybe they're just overthinking him. That's possible. And Andrew yeah. Booth can wind up being a stud. Again, I just went from an accuracy standpoint trying to get every no, pick right. I and that. I do think there is a possibility that Andrew Booth falls into the second round and I'm with you, Josh. I think there's a possibility that Andrew Booth gets looked on later on as a how did we not how did yeah. we miss this? In every draft you have that. And we mentioned him before, the 26 overall pick, the Tennessee Titans, and I love the fit. Tyler Lindenbaum, interior offensive lineman center, Iowa. You mentioned the fit at 14 and yeah. why Canyon Green made sense. This is why Tyler Linderbaum makes mm -hmm. sense at 26. And this is also Tyler Linderbaum's floor, in my opinion, because they're losing Ben Jones at the center position, as they should. Ben Jones is 32 years old. He's going to garner some money. You don't necessarily need to pay a 32-year-old center, uh, you know, nine, 27 over three years. I don't think the, the Titans are in a position where they have to do that. Um, hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod, New York Jets. Um <laughs> But Tyler Linderbaum fits them perfectly. And Tyler Linderbaum, listen, that dude competes. That dude, when he gets his hands on you, uh, you know, he's terrific at the point of attack. Um, he could pull. He could do a lot of things for a team that's going to use him in that way, in yep. that running system. And a super intelligent uh, center. And yeah. 
I think it's perfect for Tennessee because you have that run game there. But he's going to put everyone in the correct position, and he's going to be one step ahead of that defense. And I think that's something people aren't thinking. And you get, I love that you have him falling compared to a lot of mocks because you have a lot of people that just want to plug and play. They they don't consider the the scheme, and they're just mm-hmm. oh look top center let's put him there and i i appreciate that i just have to let you know that i appreciate that um so with the 27th overall pick the tampa bay buccaneers select jameson williams wide receiver alabama this was before the news that godwin was likely to get tagged um if godwin gets tagged i don't see this happening i see them going the defensive side because if godwin gets tagged carlton davis does not carlton davis likely walks this could be a cornerback spot. This could be Andrew Booth. If Godwin does not get tagged and Godwin walks, now all of a sudden you bring wide receiver into play. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care the injury. If you give Bruce Arians the chance to pick Jamison Williams and they do not tag Chris Godwin, call it a wrap. Just, so, just move on. Just yeah. That will be the pick. Just move <laughs> on. So we do have a question here. We already mentioned it. Um, where do you see the Vikings going at 12? I personally prefer Sauce Gardner, but he's flying up draft board, so I'm losing hope that he's available to us. Well, we here, not we, but we have the Vikings selecting Trayvon Walker, Edge, Georgia. Yep. So let us know what you think about that pick. Absolutely. But we are moving on to the 28th overall pick with the Green Bay Packers. We saw they had a pick earlier when they traded Aaron Rodgers. Here you have them taking Quay Walker, linebacker, Georgia. This is an interesting one for me because I'll be honest with you. I know you're a Georgia guy. Yeah. What people see with Quay Walker, I don't know if I see it. Um, I'm a little concerned about the ability. In, I think Walker has a tendency to overplay. And that's a big concern for me. Yeah. Because if you play the ball, if you play with your eyes and not your brain in the NFL, you're going to get rickrolled. And I think that's a bit of a problem for Walker. So I don't love this pick, but I know people love the physical traits. And I know people love the talent. And I know people love the thunder that he can bring. And I know that he stands out as somebody who is competing on every down. So from that perspective, I understand why he is really well liked. I would question this one in the first round. Again, it's just my my opinion. I'm doing this from an accuracy standpoint. Yeah. Green Bay needs a three-down off-ball linebacker, so he makes a lot of sense. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be that guy to mess up. No, I, I agree with your assessment. I think he's a very good athlete. I think he gets sideline to sideline. But you do need the eyes to match the brain. And if that those are disconnected, then you're not going to – and. I will fully admit last year I didn't like Michael Parsons because I did mm-hmm. not think the eyes matched the brain. I thought his eyes would send him one way when he should be going the other way. And I I just didn't think it was going to work out. And regardless, another reason why Nicobe Dean makes a great fit, his off-the-field issues didn't play, played a big role for me why I didn't like him. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I think he could be someone that could slide to the second round as well. I think when you get a lot of talent on a national championship team, people like to push them up the board a little bit. I think that's what you could be seeing here. And then with the 29th overall pick, the Miami Dolphins select Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. 
This is a little low for Garrett Wilson, but again, it's a loaded wide receiver class. So wide receivers could fall. It happens a lot. It happens more yeah. than you think. A guy like Justin Jefferson falls to 22 in Minnesota because the wide receiver class was viewed as really, really good. Now, does that excuse why Philip picked Jalen Rager? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but that's a different story. Garrett Wilson is a guy in this draft that I think people view as the new wide receiver one because of Jamison Williams' injury. My question for those people would be, what does Garrett Williams, uh, Garrett Wilson do that Chris Olave does not do? And what does Garrett Wilson do that Chris Olave does not do better? And I think the NFL, I, I truly believe the NFL is going to agree with me on this one. And I think Olave is going to go ahead of Garrett Wilson. Now, having said that, Garrett Wilson just blew the doors off of the combine as well. <laughs> so the did, good yeah. chance is, is that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave go in the top 20. That's very likely. But like you said, um, no one thought Justin Jefferson would be there. Dallas did not think CeeDee Lamb was going to be there in that draft exactly. as well. Um, when you get a loaded, and this might be one of the most loaded, I feel like we're like one-upping every year with this wide receiver class. Oh yeah, This could be the most loaded wide receiver class I've ever seen. Um, you're going to go into the fourth, fifth, sixth round and find a really, really good receiver. Um, mm -hmm. There's a guy people aren't talking about, Bo Melton. Oh, Super yeah. athletic. Um, he has a little bit of a drop issue. Not 100% catch. Doesn't have the softest hand. Mm -hmm. But he'll blow the top off you of you. He's a special athlete. And you could kind of use him in that... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the player's name right now. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. Can't think of it right now. <laughs> Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Use him that way. You, you can use him in the Tyreek sure. Hill role. And probably in the sixth round. Rutgers guy. Uh, if you didn't pay speed. attention. What's that? Big time speed. Yeah. Like, uh, like true, true track speed. Four, was he 428? He was something low. Yeah. He, it, it, true track speed. Um, we talked about another guy than Alec Pierce. I think I don't think Alec Pierce is going before the third round. It's a guy who made some money this weekend by yeah, showing you lead athleticism, right? I think he might jump up. I, you know, people thought round. that about Chris Conley, and Chris yeah. Conley still stayed where pe where people had him. So right. I, I think I get the point with yeah. Alec Pierce. But listen, that's the thing about this this class. This class has a lot of receivers and a yes. lot of good ones. Does it have a Jamar Chase? Probably not. But yeah. it's got a ton of guys that can be at worst wide receiver twos. And oh, that's a sure. really valuable thing. For sure. So with the 30th overall pick, Kansas City Chiefs take Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, this was also prior to the Tyreek Hill contract extension talks yeah. that kind of rumbled around in the last 48 hours. Um, but those don't have to come to fruition. Tyree Kill is going to be a free agent in the coming years, as is Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey is on the older end. Pass catcher is actually a sneaky need for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Traylon Burks is a terrific fit for the Kansas City Chiefs because it's six foot two. He goes and wins down the field. I don't care about the four five five four forty time. Get out of here with that noise. The guy's six foot two, plays faster yeah. than that. Don't care. Cooper Cup ran a four six one. You think anybody cares about that right now? I don't think so. Traylon Burks is a legitimate player, and now the forty time could be why he falls. He could fall for athletic testing because this class is so tight. So if somebody sat there and said, hey, you know what? I like Christian Watson better than Traylon Burks. 
can't really argue yeah. with you. Christian Watson's a heck of a player. So Traylon Burks could fall a little bit just because the class is so close together that if somebody's looking for a separator, maybe it is that 40 time. But that doesn't make Traylon Burks a bad player because he falls. Traylon Burks is still a big time player with the ball in his hands, and he does things at six foot two that you just, just don't expect. So I think Traylon Burks is a good fit for the Chiefs. Again, the Tyreek Hill talks, maybe that's not where they go anymore, but I will tell you this. This is a great tight end class as well. I know we haven't had one yet because we don't have one in the first round. This is a terrific tight end class. Don't sleep on the Kansas City Chiefs picking Travis Kelsey's successor in this class. Ooh, that, don't sleep on so it. I'm curious. I have to follow up on that. Who do you think would be that pick? That pick to me makes the most sense to be either Weidermeyer or Jeremy Rucker. Okay. Because you can get them lower in round two. In round two, I don't think they'll have the opportunity to pick an Isaiah Likely. I don't think they'll have the ability to pick a Trey, uh, a Trey McBride, and I don't think Greg Dolchik does what they need to him to do. I like Dolchik better when he's in the slot. I don't love him yeah. as much when he's in line. But Ruckert, I love Ruckert when he's in line, man. I think yeah. Ruckert is a legit. I don't understand why Ruckert does not have the buzz that McBride does. I think he's big time. Yeah, I like him as well. And you mentioned my favorite guy in this draft. I think he's a little bit of a chess piece. You can move him around more of an H-back rather than a tight end, a traditional tight end, Isaiah Likely. Love Isaiah Likely. I think mm-hmm. you can easily draft him as a fullback and just use him as a complete weapon at that position. Oh, yeah. You can you can move him all around the board, and he, he will find success. Yep. So with the 31st overall pick, you have the or Cincinnati Bengals taking Zion Johnson, interior offensive line, probably guard, Boston College. Definitely guard. Um, if this is available, just put it in pencil in every mock you do. Uh, yeah. This is this is the move in the back end around one that just makes too much sense. The Cincinnati Bengals are in a position where if they solve their offensive line, they can run it right back next yep. year and make another deep run. Zion Johnson is a plug-and-play guard from day one. He looks like an 8- to 10-year pro. Is he elite? No. But does he have a bad trait? No. So plug Zion Johnson in, start him from day one, and just go. And you heard that from DJ today at the Combine. Early on, Zion was running his 40, and he said this is an 8- to 10-year pro at the NFL level. So with the last pick in the – first round of the 2022 NFL draft the Detroit Lions select Sam Howe quarterback North Carolina this is why Detroit is in play for Malik Willis at two because if we're admitting that they're in play for a quarterback at 32 which everybody has said everybody has said that they are in play for a quarterback at 32 to get a fifth-year option on a guy that can sit behind Goff for a year and then go if that's what everybody has said then why not just take the runaway quarterback at the top of the draft? Why not take the only guy in the draft with elite traits? Yep. And sit him. Do exactly what you want to do. Take Malik Willis at two. Sit him for a year. Do exactly what you want to do. Just do it at two. And then take an edge rusher at 32. Is there a huge difference in this draft between Aiden Hutchinson at two and Logan Hall at 32? Assuming that would be a Logan Hall, I had Logan Hall go a little lower. But is there a huge difference between an Aiden Hutchinson 
and a Logan Hall or an Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, a, a, a Boye Mafe. There you go. I don't think there's a huge difference. Like, yeah, I just I, don't. I, I don't either. Um, I will say Aiden Hutchinson, I threw on his film and immediately I was like, this is my guy. He's a top, top player in this draft. No questions asked. And this is before, this is early on in the process. This is. That's fair. He's got a motor, man. He, he does. And he has Jared Allen-ish skill to him. Okay. And going off a of motor, you, he has TJ Waddish things going with him. Um, and I always, I just, I love him. I also had uh, Brett, a part of the show. He's in Florida right now, taking his daughter to Disney World. Mm. And he said he reminds him of um, the old, I'm bad with names. As you can tell throughout this show, <laughs> I am awful with names. Um, Chandler Jones. Sure. He, motor. He motor, 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 motor. Yep. Um, so, again, if you're of that ilk, if you're of that mindset, then maybe you do take Aiden Hutchinson yeah. too because he's a sure thing. But if you don't think that Aiden Hutchinson is that much better than edge rusher five or six, and again, Detroit could sit there, Detroit could sit there and trade up, right? Yeah. Detroit could trade in the middle of round one and go get you know, the Jermaine Johnson, and all of a sudden your draft is Malik Willis and Jermaine Johnson? Yeah. I mean, yep. again, if you think that they're in play for a quarterback, which everybody does, and I actually like this fit for Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell needs to hit a reset button. This yep. is who I gave. I gave them Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell needs to hit a reset button and sit for a year, and I think you could see the guy that, that, that people thought once upon a time had a chance to be a number one overall pick. But in terms of Willis – Willis has elite traits. Yeah. So if you're going to sit a quarterback, why not just pick the guy at two and sit the guy at two with elite traits? That's I, my I thought. agree with I agree with it, but please do not take the the joy of seeing Aiden Hutchinson and Dan Campbell together. Don't take that away from me. I, I just want to see Listen, it. as a Jet fan, I kind of hope I do. Because <laughs> that joy that you have of Aiden Hutchinson yeah, and true. Dan Campbell. I have the joy of Aiden Hutchinson and Robert Sala. Definitely. I I can see that. And yeah. I was actually, when I went to Mobile, I sat in at a, a uh, little convention where Dan Campbell and Robert Sala were together talking, and it was beautiful. Um, just the pure joy of football, and you could just tell. They Guys being the dudes. Game. Yes, they loved the game of football yeah. and the conversation they had. There was Nick Saban there, um, a lot of college guys. I could have sat there and listened to Dan Campbell and Robert Sala talk the entire time. They were just – it was beautiful. And I, yeah. I really – I'm excited for the both of them for what they're going to do for these franchises. I really am. I hope I think so, they're man. great coaches. I hope so. So anyone that wants to see Jordan's second round, I'm not going to get into that because it took us an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> to get through the first round. And I really appreciate you hanging with me throughout that time. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Definitely. I hope to get you on again. Um, yes, again, you can follow Jordan at Jordan cats, 11 at Jordan cats, 11. Yeah. Um, again, I appreciate you. you can follow us DSS scouting. I'm Josh Wingate 302. And we are both a part of the Say It Again Network.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.